In a recent book called Faith for Exiles, Dave Kinnaman and Mark Matlock did quite a lot of research looking at young people and particularly those who either have stayed in the church or left the church. And they have identified that those who were more committed to their Christian beliefs and behaviours, they call them resilient disciples, are the ones that tend to make it in the long run. And really, based on their research and their findings, they realise that there's a real difference between the two. And those who are very intentional about their devotional life certainly are the ones who are the so-called resilient disciples. So the percentages uh, were something like this. Those who spent time regularly found that their life uh, with Jesus, they found that their life was re-energized. 87% of those who made it, as opposed to those who didn't make it, who are 46%. Those who were reading the Bible, making them feel closer to God. The percentage was 87 as opposed to 44. And those who are spending time listening to God as part of their prayer life, 78 to 48. And prayer not being a chore, but part of their vibrant spiritual life, it was a 64 verses 39. So the research was really showing that devotional life and pursuing intimacy with God is absolutely essential for those who want to grow in their Christian faith and be, in Kinnaman's word, resilient disciples of Jesus. And this is what we're going to look at this morning as we finish our series of choices in the waiting room. Waiting room choices. What do we do when we feel we are in the waiting room of life? When things are really challenging, when things don't turn up, turn out the way we wanted them to be and actually there's a major disruption to our life and we find the frustration, the discouragement, the disappointment and often even the brokenness of being in those waiting room situations in life. What do we do? And it very much relates to some of the things that we feel right now as we are dealing with the immediate effects and the after effects of the pandemic that we're living in globally. So our partners for the journey this morning are going to be two characters that were very significant at a very interesting time in the life of Jesus as Jesus who enters into our world as God becoming a man born to Mary and Joseph is being brought to the temple. Two characters, Simeon and Anna, fairly understated in the whole history of scripture. They really shine with that sense of being those who in the waiting room situation choose devotion to God. So as part of this, this is what Luke is describing in Luke chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And then as we jump to verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, 37, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Two understated characters, elderly people, at the seemingly very end of their journey in this life, or seemingly approaching that time. And yet, they were people who kept waiting, waiting, waiting for the coming of the promised Messiah. This would have been an expectation for all devout Jews. He would have been disenchanted either with the sense of compromise within the established religious quarters or incredibly disheartened by the Roman oppression. And from both those angles, either religious or political, there was an outcry in the hearts of the devout Jews for the coming of the promised Redeemer, the promised Liberator, the Messiah who, of whom the prophets had spoken in the past. He would come and free them and establish a new rule. And they were waiting for this Messiah. But there were hundreds and hundreds of years between what the prophets have prophesied and the fulfillment that was now just before their eyes. So what did it do in between? What did it do when they had this promise and they were probably praying those prayers until that moment when it became reality? Let me say this, waiting wasn't easy for them. If you think about Anna, her life would have been so tough. She became a widow very early in her life. And to be a widow in that context would have been incredibly challenging. First of all, from a very practical economical point of view, she would have been dependent normally on her husband and being a widow would have placed her in a very vulnerable state. But just think about relationally, emotionally, how she would have felt being widowed at such an early age. She could have had a lot of chances to become bitter and angry. Maybe upset at the way life had treated her and maybe deeply disturbed in her spirit. If you want to talk about the spiritual impact of that tragedy, maybe angry with God, frustrated that her life wasn't looking like the lives of all those other people around her. Yet she made a choice to wait, and that waiting wasn't easy. Simeon had a promise, 
the reality is we don't know Simeon's age. There is the tradition seems to suggest that he was an older person as well, but we don't have a clear, clear description of the age that he had, like we have for Anna. Suffice to say, he would have been waiting. And the waiting is frustrating, especially when you want something to happen. A lot of us followers of Jesus, we're waiting for times of revival where we see an incredible outbreak of grace and power in our lives, in our communities. And as we look at the broken world in which we live in, we'd love to see that almost as it were flow like rivers of mercy and grace and forgiveness on our streets. So that our communities would be flooded with the beauty of Jesus and his kingdom. And we pray for that. And sometimes the waiting can make it very frustrating, like it would have been for Anna, like it would have been for Simeon. Simeon would have had a promise. Maybe self-doubt could have come into his mind and said to himself, don't believe the scriptures. They're not true. It's not happening. You've been praying for so long. You've been desiring this. You've been fasting about this and it's not happening. And he could have gone tired and become weary on that road. And just given up and bailed out. Anna could have become bitter and bailed out. Both of them could have said, it's not happened. Therefore, we will just stop trusting God. We will stop believing what God had promised. We will stop looking for this promised Messiah. That could have been a choice in the waiting room of life. In the midst of tragedy and frustration of just waiting and in that waiting room when they could have dismissed everything that God has said and who could have dismissed God himself they make a choice they choose devotion to God so what does this look and I'm going to give you very briefly seven marks of devotion that we see in Anna and Simeon's life, things that I would suggest in the midst of the waiting rooms of life, when the waiting is frustrating, where the temptation to bail out is so strong, let's make those smart choices, enabled by the work that the Holy Spirit and the scriptures are doing in our lives. We can't do this on our own. It's not a DIY project, but as we submit ourselves to the scriptures and the spirit, God can fill our lives with a greater sense of devotion towards him. So what does devotion look like? Number one, I love the way Simeon focuses on a savior. Having a focus on Jesus will always be the best thing that we could do in order to have a good perspective on everything that happens around us. If our focus is either on ourselves or the craziness of the opinions and the ideas all around us, we would get so messed up and our heads would be so confused and our allegiances would be so divided. Simeon has this single-minded focus on the Messiah. It's almost as if his purpose in life is to see this Messiah. 
and the, at the very heart of devotion, it's a focus on Jesus, not on other theological things, not on uh, happenings here and there, not on the tragedies around us. It can be so overwhelming, but a focus on Jesus himself. That's number one. Number two, I love the way the Spirit of God is speaking to Simeon and calling him to go to the temple. The Holy Spirit was on him and it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die. And then moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. It seems like, really, Simeon has this relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is God in us through which he's listening. He has a position of submission, attentiveness, a humble desire to hear from God. And that's again a great mark of devotion. Is somebody who is willing to stop and listen and obey what the Spirit is saying. That's why Simeon was able to meet this Messiah, because he listened to what the Spirit of God was saying. And the Spirit of God is speaking to us every day through Scripture. And he's also speaking in, in, in very personal ways as he's trying to guide us. And very much linked to that. Number three is obeying. You believe and you obey. So when the Spirit is speaking to him, not only is he attentive, but he believes it and he acts upon it. And he actually gets his feet moving and goes to the temple where the Spirit had called him to do. Simeon could have said, oh, if this Messiah is coming, why do I have to go all the way to the temple? Why today? It's not happened until now. Why bother? But he believes it in his heart. And he's obedient in his action because that's what a devoted life looks like. Believing and obeying that which the Spirit of God is saying concerning Jesus. And then I like the fact that he gets to meet Jesus at a temple. This was the place of a spiritual encounter. It was an environment where those who were worshipping were coming to connect with God. Don't underestimate how important it is for you and I to have that place. We don't have a temple. We, we don't believe that a building is necessarily special. And certainly living in the COVID time now, we, we don't have a building for a physical gathering. And we don't have any physical gatherings apart from the little scattered meetings that some of you in the, in the small groups are doing in a socially distanced way. And the stuff that we do on Zoom. But it is important to use what is available to connect spiritually. And again, I want to say, if you can connect on Zoom, I don't know everybody can, but if you can connect on Zoom, don't let other laziness or intimidation or the thought of I don't need it put you off. It's a great place of encounter with God. And I would really encourage you to actually connect. Come to the temple. The temple is not physical. It's a gathering of those who come in an environment where they can encounter God as a community together. Number five, we look at Anna. I love the fact that she devotes her life to worshipping God. 
it says that she had been a widow and she never left the temple with worship night and day, fasting and praying, worship night and day. This is saying to me, this is somebody for whom this is not just ritual, it's a lifestyle. Devotion should be a lifestyle, not a ritual. This is about a relationship, not a ritual. This is not just about I'm clocking in my little prayer time and then live the rest of my life as if God doesn't exist. But this is allowing my relationship with God to permeate everything that I do. My family life, my work life, my hobbies, everything. My relationship with God is my everything. It's integrated at the very centre of my life. And that's what Anna did devotionally. She chose worship as a lifestyle, not a ritual. Number six, she was passionate and sacrificial. It says that she was praying and fasting. Praying and fasting is about somebody who is devoted passionately to God and is saying, this is so important to me. I'm going to withdraw myself from and sacrifice from eating in order to spend time with God. This is so important. I am so in love with God. I am so willing to see God move that I am going to not eat and choose to spend that time in prayer. This is somebody who's serious about God. And again, that's a sign of a devotional life. Somebody who would say, this is just so important and I so want to see the promises of God, and I'm going to pray for this. Number seven, I love that at the very end, both of them end up thanking, praising and glorifying God. When they meet this Messiah, their hearts are filled with praise and they, they can't stop themselves, but they want to declare the beauty of the wonderful gift that God had given to them by allowing them to see, to witness with their own eyes and to hold in their own hands this wonderful promised Messiah that the Holy Spirit revealed to them. So that's their choice. Their choice is devotion. And devotion, as we go back through all of them in a recap, devotion puts Jesus at the very center. Devotion is about listening and hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Devotion is about trusting and obeying what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Devotion is about getting to the temple, being with others in an environment of seeking an encounter with God. Devotion is about choosing worship as a lifestyle and not a ritual. Devotion is about passion. Really wanted to see God come through on those promises. Devotion is about glorifying, thanking and praising God. That's the choice they made. And this was so amazing. Listen, they were so privileged because they got to meet Jesus. And let me say, just like it was for them, there's no greater blessing in life than for you and I to get to meet Jesus. And right at the very heart of devotion, right at the, 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 the very foundation of devotion is what I just said earlier on. It's Simeon had a Jesus-centered life. Let me say to you, if you're not a Christian yet, if you don't follow Jesus, is Jesus isn't king in your life and savior from your sins. You can't experience devotion. You've got to get 
first things first. And this is it. You, like Simon and Anna, can experience Jesus in your own life. And my invitation to you this morning is to actually surrender your life to Christ and to say, I'm going to choose to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. That means he's He's, he's my saviour and he can take me out of my life of sin. He can do the big turnaround in my life. But he is also my Lord, my King, my boss, the ultimate authority in my life. And that's the very first step of a life of devotion. And I'm encouraging you by asking you this question. Have you met Jesus? Because you can today. And right after this message, you can kneel down and pray and surrender your life to Christ and say, from today, I'm going to start this journey with Jesus. And then you can get in touch with us so we can pray for you. We can encourage you. We can help you be part of a group of other Christians who are on the same journey. And we can give you all the tools that will enable you to flourish in this journey. They have met Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Maybe say, yeah. I have Christy. I've met him and he is saviour and he is Lord in my life. Maybe you've grown tired in this journey. I want to say to you. The message. From the situation that both Simeon and Anna found themselves in is this in your weariness in your waiting room experience in life. And I don't know what circumstances you're going through right now. I want to say to you, God always comes through on his promises. Don't give up hope. Don't get discouraged. Don't bail out. Don't get tempted to walk away from him because God keeps his promises. Lean into him. Choose devotion. You will not be disappointed because God never breaks his word. He brings it at the right time, not according to my timing and my agenda, but God never fails in his faithfulness. It's the story I can tell you from my life and it's the story I can tell you from many, many people that I know that have gone through some unbelievably difficult times. God comes through. God is truly faithful. Let me lay a challenge to you as well. I mentioned those seven areas and we can probably kind of compound them into even smaller. Which one of those do you struggle most? Is it making Jesus the very center of your life? Is it listening to the Holy Spirit speak? Is it obeying what the Holy Spirit is saying? Is it your passion? Is it going to the temple? Is it glorifying God and praising God? Is it that relationship rather than religion? I don't know which one it is, but maybe this morning you can assess and you can look at which one of them you are struggling with. And maybe you can just simply get to that place where I can encourage you to maybe pick up one at a time and go through all of them as part of your devotional life. And maybe for a week, say, I'm going to focus on one of them every week for the next several weeks. 
and I'm going to ask God to help me. And I'm going to talk in our life group about how I'm doing. And we're going to keep each other accountable. So that actually there'll be some growth, some spiritual growth in our devotional life. And we're going to share different things that have helped us so others can get helped as part of the journey. But just pick up one for one week. And then next week you pick another one. Or maybe you need to stay longer, you know, whichever way it works for you and how God guides you. But be intentional about this. Do something about it and engage with others in your small group, because that's a perfect way to grow spiritually. What a wonderful encounter they've had. Such a great thing. This is an amazing choice of passion that we see in Simeon and Anna. In the waiting room of life, they chose the right thing. They chose devotion and they were rewarded with a most unbelievably beautiful encounter with Jesus. My prayer for you and for us all is that that would be our experience in the different waiting rooms of life. As we make the maybe sacrificial, painful, difficult choice to embrace devotion, that we would be rewarded with seeing and experiencing the fullness of Jesus, which would be a blessing to us and an overflow of blessing for all those around us. Amen.